This All is right. Bus Gats Evolution Podcast. And this is your main event of the evening with the 60 minute time limit. This episode is sponsored by Village Bakes. The Bus Gats Evolution Podcast not only is a big supporter for independent wrestlers, but we also love our local business as well. Check out Heather on Facebook under Village Bakes and see what masterpieces she makes every weekend. Support from people and liking her creations and hard work is all she's asking for. That is at Village Bakes. So this Saturday night, you can either watch Roman Reigns versus John Cena at Dumber Slam. Ooh, that's really a ball tipper. Or you can watch the first ever husband versus wife, white tube death match at the Ocean Beach Rassel House at the Carnival Death Event. This is the history maker, Dirty Ronald McDonald. How you doing, sir? Vic, thanks for having me on this. Um, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. Uh, you know, I've watched every, every WrestleMania live, been to five of them. Wrestling's my life. Um, you know, I'm, I, guess, I guess a journeyman pro wrestler, started in like 2001, off and on here and there. And uh, now I run a promotion that runs live wrestling every Saturday in San Diego. Um, so, you know, it, uh, wrestling's very, uh, consumes my life a lot. So how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Well, my mom was a pro wrestler. So my mom was one of the um, uh, overzealous fans back in the day. Um, she, uh, you know, went to all of the wrestling at the chase tapings uh, at the NWA. Might have hooked a couple of the wrestlers up with some weed and shit. So, you know, um, my mom wrestled like less than 50 matches, 5-0, in, in uh, like the, the mud shows in the St. Louis Missouri area, excuse me, in the late seventies. So, you know, she was kind of always a fan. She always went to the matches that, you know, St. Louis is a town known for its wrestling history. The NWA is about to go back to St. Louis. So, um, you know, it was something that was always in my household, you know, like I was born in 1983. First WrestleMania was April of 85. So I, I don't remember that one. The first WrestleMania I remember watching was WrestleMania three, uh, Andre versus Hogan. But we always had the pay-per-views at our house. You know, we always had the big fights at our house. We always had the wrestling matches at our house. So, you know, um, and uh, I always grew up a, a WWF guy, WWE guy. So, you know, watched, watched all the WrestleManias live. So who were some of the, your favorite wrestlers like, growing up? Well, I, so growing up in the 80s, it's, it's, you know, as a kid, it's hard not to be immediately attracted to all of the wild characters, all the wild colors. Um, it was hard not to be a fan of Hulk Hogan. Um, but really, as I, you know, I got to an age like, you know, kindergarten, first grade, something like that, I really started appreciating guys like the Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, you know, I didn't really know much about the NWA WCW um, because I guess St. Louis was more of a northern um a state as far as like what we watched what came to town more often so you know it, it was wwf was always more of like a spectacle so you know it really caught the attention of a very young child and just seeing all these larger than life characters um you know go out there and say wild stuff and look into the camera with their crazy eyes you know and so it um it was it was hard not to be a big fan of those guys you know guys like Legion of Doom, 
Um, you know, even like, even like demolition, you know, I love demolition. Um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I mean, you know, even guys like the honky tonk man, guys that could go out there and sell you into the building and not have to take a back body drop onto the apron and almost break their neck. You know, like guys that really under, like, like look at every big fight that ever existed. Mike Tyson, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, the Jake and uh, Logan Paul, these guys, they know how to talk you into the building. So, it, you know, and when you look at it, every major fight, the fight is, does not live up to the hype. It never does. And how could it with the, with these guys that are such masters of vocabulary, masters of language. So the guys that I was attracted to, you know, were the, you know, eventually the Dusty Rhodes, you know, the Ric Flairs, the, you know, the, the, the Razor Ramones, um, obviously the Shawn Michaels, um, you know, guys like this, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, as I, as I grew older, it, it was guys that, that, that you wanted to see and you wanted to be there, you know, and then I become a teenager and I get exposed to ECW and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is, this is everything an adolescent teenager, um, you know, who's just getting into, you know, growing into puberty and, you know, and whatnot. Like, I'm like, oh man, these guys got wild chicks with big old big boobies and you know like they're bleeding and there's a guy walking out here with a cane and a cigarette and a beer you know just like whoa like this is this is like wrestling on cocaine you know what i'm saying like this was this was wild ass wild ass stuff so you know the evolution of how i grew into wrestling before i became a wrestler i always knew i wanted to be involved in wrestling like it was being a rock star it was being a comedian it was being a preacher it was being a, a a fighter you know all in one you know and that's what i say to people too you know is that as a wrestler we're doing comedy action drama improv stunts all that in one take with an audience 360 degrees around us and just like you know the, the shakespeare plays back in the day and there's actors I see in Hollywood that need many, many takes to get their line right. We don't get that opportunity. You know, we're out there sweating in our fancy underwear and throwing guys that are 200 plus pounds around, you know? So it's like, it's dangerous too, you know, in a, in a sense. And now that I've started training um, the next generation of wrestlers at the OB Wrestle House, um, you know, along with a, a couple of my other great trainers is that, you know, you're figuring out, hey man, you don't always have to go out there and do the necessarily the most spectacular thing, but you want to get people excited. You want to get them in there. You want to get them, you want to get them hyped up, get them ready to go. So for my audience that's listening, how would you describe your character in the ring? Because you would describe it a lot better than I would. I mean, I would just say a lot of your matches I saw, it's like a very pissed off doink the clown on steroids. <laughs> how would you describe uh, it? No, no, um, Vic, you nailed it right on the head. <coughs> um, so, it, like, I was a wrestler for about 15 years or so, off and on, um, before I really found myself, you know, where I found my voice. You know, I already have long, curly red hair. And, you know, the Fist Combat shows that we put on are, are for, they're for adults. I mean, people bring their kids, but... You know, the, the shows I always wanted to put on, and, and before COVID, we were running shows in pool halls, strip clubs, you know, weed, weed festivals, you know? So, like, we're putting on a different type of a show. And, you know, because I always heard people, like, 
they always tell me, I, I bring up, you know, I'm a pro wrestler, I'm in pro wrestling. They're like, oh, I used to like wrestling when Stone Cold. I used to like wrestling when Hulk Hogan. I used to like wrestling when the Legion of Doom. So I'm like, why don't I just produce wrestling for people that used to like it when it was like that? So, you know, what is my character? My character is a adult version of Doink the Clown um, who, uh, instead of baby powder, uses cocaine to throw in his opponent's faces. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it's wild. It's fun. It's funny. You know, um, and, you know, there, there's one move that I have uh, a friend of mine. I think it would actually have been my wife bought me a John Cena blanket. And at one point, a couple matches, I pull it out of my pants in the middle of the match, pop it up like a magician and throw it on top of me. And it's my invisibility cloak. So, you know, cause, cause you can't see me. Right. So, you know, like I like to have fun uh, with wrestling and um, I think dirty Ron McDonald embodies that. And I also do some death match shit too. What was your favorite? You mentioned you worked at strip clubs, pool halls and weed festivals. What was your favorite to work at? Oh, the strip club, without a doubt. And here's why. Um, here's why. We, we got to advertise the shows as you have to be here. You have to be here to see it. You can't. We're not going to videotape this. We're not going to. Uh, you can't bring your cameras. We're at a strip club. You can't pull your camera out of a strip club. I don't know if you've been to a gentleman's establishment before, but they don't allow you to pull out your phones. So that's the way we advertise the show. So it was, you know, um, we advertised it as, hey, um, you can't, you got to be there to see it live. We had strippers in the middle, in between the matches. And then at the end of the night, they, uh, they always treated us so well. And they gave us a VIP section with endless bottle service until we stumbled out of there and into an Uber. Jeez, that's nice. That is sweet. That sounds like a pretty sweet paying gig right there. It, it was, it was, it, we, we sold out every time, you know, and granted it was a smaller building, you know, we could hold about. 175 to 200 people there um but we sold out every time because it was we called it boobies and body slams um we were only able to do like seven or eight of those before covid shut it down but that was our last indoor event before covid at a venue and um still to this day that's our last indoor event that wasn't at you know our training facility what's the worst paying gig you ever got Everything before uh, 2010, um, <laughs> you know, um, well, and here was the other thing, you know, is that like, I wanted, I wanted to sell merchandise. So the, the worst paying gig was before I figured out how to monetize wrestling, you know, um, I take a lot of insight. I share a lot of insight from brutal Bob Evans, a friend of mine. Um, you know, I, he, he posts a lot of inspirational stuff to independent wrestlers you know, and one of the things he posts about a lot, and I didn't learn this lesson from him. I learned it from other people, but he solidifies this is that, you know, your payout in wrestling is not the money that you make in wrestling. The money that you make in wrestling is by connecting with your audience, by selling the merchandise, by having a Patreon, by, you know, um, I invested in a movie uh, starring myself and Rob Van Dam, Effie, and a lot of other wrestlers. So, you know, there's, there's so much more to make um, in wrestling than just your payout. But I mean, so many times before I was dirty Ron McDonald, you know, you're getting 20, 
you're losing money on a wrestling gig. But once I figured out how to monetize being a wrestler by selling merchandise, taking pictures, eight by tens, all these things, um, then, you know, I started to really see wrestling from a different perspective. Are there any concerns that everyone's talking about the Delta variant and COVID 2021 that independent wrestling shows will be closed down once again? Well, uh, we are very, very innovative. At Fist Combat, we were the first pro wrestling company in the world to run a live show with a live audience after the shutdown because we're innovative over here. Um, I don't want to suck my own dick, but like, I saw driving comedy show. I was part of driving comedy shows. And I was like, why don't we do driving wrestling? You know, you pull up to the lot, you, you turn in your rate, tune your radio in to our transmission transmitter or whatever. That's, you know, you can hear the commentary from your car and you can safely watch wrestling from your car. And that's what we did, you know, um, on, on May, May 16th, 2020, we were the first company and you can see that full show for free on our YouTube. Driving wrestling is what we called it. Um, and that, that all of our social media is at Fist Combat TV. Get fisted right here, Fist Combat. So, you know, uh, we're innovative with that. So to, to answer your question, I'm not a scientist. I don't claim to be. I don't, uh, you know, um, you know right, vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, this way, that way, political views. You know, it all ends up being a tangled mess. And, you know, but no matter what happens, I think wrestling, as it's shown with us, Game Changer Wrestling, there are a couple other companies that fucking shot right through and kept kept going. You know, um, I work really closely. Um, I'm working really closely with on a couple of events with Brett Lauderdale of Game Changer Wrestling. And that was part of our conversation the other night, how – because I said to him, I said, damn, man, like, because when they come out to the West Coast, they go, they do their show in L.A. You're familiar with Game Changer Wrestling, right? Yes. Yeah. So Game Changer Wrestling, they do their show in L.A. And then their wrestlers are already out here. And they're, they, there's not the, the Bay Area, San Diego, they're, they're not big enough to, to house a GCW show. So I'll use a lot of their wrestlers. Um, so that's what we're doing on, on uh, September 18th. September 17th, they'll be at the UK, Ukrainian Center in LA. And on September 18th, you're going to see GCW versus Fist Combat 2. Might be airing somewhere live, live stream for free on a YouTube page, but we haven't yet to announce that. And I don't want to announce it ahead of time. But, you know, a lot of big things going out there. Too. So, you know, to answer your question fully about the Delta variant, is that companies that are innovative, intelligent, they look at the landscape of the land. They look at the lay of the land and they figure out a way to survive. Yeah, right. WWE survived. Impact survived. AEW survived. Game Changer Wrestling survived. And without a doubt, Fist Combat has survived and strived through COVID. That's right, Vince. That idea, that's brilliant. That really is. I think of that. I mean, I've heard of like, you know, concerts having driving events, but wrestling events, that's really innovative. Well, we were the first one. We were the first company in the world. I know that for a fact. The first company in the world to run a live audience show after the COVID shutdown um, before WWE, obviously. This is in May of 2020. So, you know, it was something where two weeks before that, I did a driving comedy show and I was like, 
well, what the fuck? Why aren't we doing wrestling like this? Like, let's keep it going. Um, and unfortunately, I found out really quickly, a lot of wrestlers kind of like um, laid back, you know, didn't wrestle. Um, were trying to stay as you know safe as possible. And we took precautions, you know, uh, sanitized on the ring in between matches. Referees wore masks. You know, um, we took everybody's temperature um, before they were wrestling on the show. And, you know, and, and, and making those precautions are going to, you know, hey, you know, you don't want to drive drunk. You know, you, you should probably just wash your hands and drink less before you drive. And you'll be a lot safer in life, whether, whether COVID's around or not, you know, so. Good point. Very good point. So you've been wrestling for many of years. At what point do you consider someone's like an actual pro wrestler? You know, anyone could go in the ring and be like, oh, I'm a pro wrestler and do some jump book. Like the maturity and everything, what do you think it just clicks? And you're like, that's a pro wrestler. There's, there's a couple ways. Um, and really, it just comes down to gaining the respect of your peers. So, you know, there's, I, I would consider, you know, even though, I don't think I was, I don't think I would ever, I don't think I would consider myself ever really formally trained in wrestling, but being around it, like we, we were trained enough to get on shows, you know, and, and there's, there's guys that are just happy with having five, 10 matches and then quitting, you know, there's guys that are happy with not being in the best of shape and, uh, you know, going out there and presenting a certain product and, wrestling once a month right next to their house and call themselves a wrestler and, you know, good, good for those guys. But I, I think it takes somebody that wants to learn all the time, always be learning. You know, I had my first match over 20 years ago and I'm still learning every day. You know, I'm, I'm teaching students now, you know, um, but when like two weeks ago, we had Matt Seidel in for a seminar, one of my best friends, you know, we used to backyard wrestle together 22 years ago. They keep in regular contact. Now I picked up a lot listening to his seminar you know like so i'm always learning i'm always watching new styles of wrestling like right now i'm really back into fmw um i think because we're you know we got this big deathmatch show coming up this weekend but um you know it's it's i i, I was in the cmll for a while a couple of years ago i just kind of like just binge watched the hell out of that and you're you're always learning so you know to call yourself a professional wrestler, A, I think you need to gain the respect of your peers. Um, and that can come sooner than later if you go to a respected school. Um, and that's kind of hard for me to say that as somebody who just opened up a school because I don't consider my school a respected school yet. Even though we've, we have a couple of really good students we, we haven't been around but a year, you know, like out on the West coast, you've got like Santino brothers that has seven or, you know, eight signed wrestlers that came from their school currently, you know, like you, you have to come from a respected school um, and you have to kind of have that stamp of approval, you know, like we don't have degrees in wrestling, you know, like it's not like a degree from Harvard, but when people come to me and they say, I just want to wrestle one match. I go, what's well, not like that. Like, you have to go through the whole program. You can't show up as a doctor or a surgeon and be like, I just want to do one surgery. Like, like give me the three month program. I, I just want to do one surgery. It's like, nah, that's not how it works. You have to go to eight years of school <laughs> before we let you 
cut up, you know, regular ass human beings. So, um, to, to call yourself a pro wrestler, you have to have the respect for your peers. And I think that come, that can come from a number of different ways. Um, so yeah, there it is. You know, like whether you're a guy that wrestles once a month down the street from your house or, um, whether you're a guy that's wrestling, you know, through a guy, gal, you know, whatever, three, four or five times a week, like, you know, who am I to say who's a pro wrestler and who's not? Before we get into the death match, I just want to make sure that you posted something a while back, your three goals in life. And I just want to make sure that you're still keeping up with them. One is live by a beach, which you already mentioned you have. Yep. Two is drop the elbow from the top rope. You still dropping elbows? Yes, I am. And I still, know where this is going. <laughs> you still making women come? I, I, I still am making women come. Uh, mostly, three just three okay. <laughs> mostly just my wife these days. But hey, you know, you know what's crazy is uh, I tell this on stage, so I don't mind telling it here, um, is that uh, as you get older, you start exploring sexually um, with your partner. And we've been together for over seven years. And um, sometimes, um, you know, like she's, well, she's kind of into women. So, you know, but I always thought it would be cool as, as a younger guy, like, oh, sweet, two women at the same time. But here's the thing. You have to please two women at the same time. So, I mean, like, that's, it's not easy. Also, work. I'm more like a prop. So, you know, like, I'm kind of just waiting on the bench, waiting to get tagged in, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, and, and what, like, one time uh, we, we came home with this couple, right? We didn't know what was going to happen. So my wife and this woman, they're kind of like, you know, they're making out or whatever. And I, I look over at the, you know, and I like, I'm just, I'm, I'm staring at them. And all of a sudden I remember, oh, there's another guy in this room. So I look over at him, you know, and he's looking at me and I, I know we were thinking the same thing. Like I'm not sucking your dick, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, I was just wondering like, like, should I, should I pull it out? You know, should I put it back in? Should I pull it out and shake it all about? Cause I was just thinking about doing the hokey pokey, you know? And when you do the hokey pokey, you get yourself turned around, but that's what it's all about. True. True. You never know how you get react until you're in a situation like that. Yeah. So I ended up sucking his dick. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Hey, you know, it's 2021. No. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, yes, I'm still making women come. How was your comedy career growing? So comedy was something I picked up uh, as um, an addition to wrestling. Um, I wanted to work on it for my timing, um, for my ability to perform in front of strangers. Because um, one thing to make your friends laugh, it's another thing to make a stranger laugh. Because in wrestling, if I do a big suplex that somebody else can't do, they go, good job, that's awesome, I can't do that. You know, if, if a musician does this fucking crazy ass solo on the guitar that I can't do, automatically, I'm like, hell yeah, right, you know? But in comedy, I, it seems that the audience is like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Make me laugh, funny man. Like, I could tell a better joke than that, you know? So you don't get that automatic respect in comedy. And it can be very soul-crushing. I know saying that as a redhead, soulless ginger. Um, but it can be soul-crushing because, dude, like, you go up there and you think you have something funny to say, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, why isn't anybody laughing? All, all my friends are laughing. 
And, you know, that's what it is, is that your friends like you. They want to laugh at you. So, you know, my comedy career, I started like seven years, seven years ago or so. Uh, no, I guess it was a little more, it was a little longer than that, but I started taking it kind of serious seven years ago. Um, I did a little bit of, you know, running around some dispensaries and stuff on the West Coast, bringing a little comedy group with me. And, um, you know, I perform regularly at a couple of clubs here in San Diego, but it's, it's, it's more of a hobby for me, you know? Um, and Hey, I'm getting paid the same. I was when I first started wrestling, which is basically nothing. So it's fun. It's fun. Cause you're, you really learn a lot about yourself. You know, you learn, you learn a lot about perseverance. You learn a lot about building yourself up and you learn a lot about lying to yourself, you know, telling yourself that, that this is worth it, you know? And I think that every successful person has to lie to themselves because we all do to a certain extent. You know, um, if we didn't think that our job was worth it, like, well, then why the fuck are you going to show up? You know what I'm saying? Like, so we all got to kind of lie to ourselves. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to this job and making an extra do- number of dollars an hour. Yeah, th- th- this is worth it. I'm happy, you know? And like, I think happiness is something that people chase forever and you're going to chase happiness forever. But being content is something that's very important to me. Um, so I think I, with this venue now, with us being legal uh, to run uh, all sorts of live entertainment events, you know, just, just where I am in life, you know, I'm just barely over a year married and I live a block from the beach. I have, you know, a beautiful, sexy wife that I'm incredibly attracted to, um, that I love hanging out with, you know, and two beautiful dogs, you know, and like being content is something that I think very few people seek. And, um, I have sought it and I have found it. Happily ever after, right? Well, you know, the story goes on. It's uh, it's a, an ever, ever long story that will kind of like the Energizer Bunny will keep going and going and going. And just like every great story, there's ups, there's downs, there's drama, there's love, there's all of it. And, you know, um, I kind of live a little bit of a wild lifestyle, bitch, you know, so, uh, yeah, that's what's up. What is the most fucked up, as in funny, thing that's ever happened to you during a match? Like, uh, <laughs> look back at it right now. You're like, that was funny. So I started wrestling in St. Louis in uh, <clears throat> the year 2000. One of the people I, I started with was Delirious of Ring of Honor. He's like the head uh, executive producer over there now. Uh, I, one of the best minds in wrestling, by the way. I think um, Ring of Honor probably puts together the best online content. Um, and they're, you're able to follow it a lot. So the most fucked up thing is I'm getting to it. I'm really long-winded. Sorry, Vic. Is that when we started, um, two of our trainers did this match. It was an I quit match, right? Where they both came in the ring with a chair, right? So you think it's going to be like this crazy fucking I quit match. You're going to beat the shit out of each other, right? So what happens is um, ding, 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 the bell rings. And they both fold out the chairs and they sit in the, in the corners. And like, it's like an acid trip. Cause like all these different crazy things keep happening throughout the match. Right. Like, and I was the referee. So like all of us, these guys are like staring each other down. It's like a staring contest. So all of a sudden I have a seizure and out comes this guy 
with a golf club and a golf ball. And he, he sets up the golf ball towards the audience and swings this golf club. And the audience is like, oh, my God, this guy's going to swing a golf ball at us. And the golf ball explodes. So the guy explodes. And then they take the guy out. As the referee, I stand up. I brush myself off. And I'm like, all right, guys, let's keep going with the match. And people are like, what the fuck is going on? So Delirious and I are seeing this as kids. And, and I was like, yo, I'm going to bring you out to a fist combat show in San Diego now. This is 2017. And I go, we're going to do that match. It's going to be an I quit match, but we're going to mentally fuck with each other. So what I said when I came out in my pre-match promo, I said, I said at the top of the show, I go, I just took a 10 strip of acid and I am going to beat Delirious in his mind. I'm going to make him go Delirious, right? So we get in the match. We're sitting there. A brawl comes out. These guys brawl through the ring. The tag match that brawled out earlier in the night, brawled out of the building, brawled back into the building during our match. We're just staring each other down, not touching each other once. Fucking, so that happens. They end up brawling back out of the building. And then, you know, then him and I have a karaoke battle where he did Bone Thugs and Harmony. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did Tenacious D. And neither one of us quit after that. Um, then there was a 24-7 rule intact that night between B-Boy and Joey Ryan. And that match happened twice during our match. Then at the end of the match, one of our characters, Chip Law, who was a member of the tag team Law and Order. They were police officers, right? Law, Chip Law comes to the ring and he's like, this is absurd. You guys are being re- arrested for stealing these people's money. This is the worst match in the history of wrestling. You guys haven't touched each other once. So I pushed him down to the ground and I pulled his gun out. Shit. So I have a gun. And I point the gun to Delirious' head. And I go, what are you going to do now, motherfucker? What are you going to do now? And he goes, I quit. I quit. I quit. So I got Delirious to quit by pointing a gun at him. And then Jim Cornette talks shit about it. Oh, Cornette. Um, Cornette needs to have a sense of humor. He needs to realize that, yeah, if you're like WWE or AEW, you have to be more professional. But... Something like this. What people have to have fun. I mean, Jesus. Well, hey, let me tell you this. If if Cornette gets a reaction out of you, he's kind of doing his job. You know, um, you can't blame him. See, he's one of those guys like Logan and Jake Paul. They just, and, and Floyd Mayweather, you know, even Conor McGregor now. They know they're the heel. Like, they, they know what their role is. Like, I had a boxing match last year with a comedian. And I fucking knocked him out in 46 seconds. I actually knocked him down three times in 46 seconds because he's a fucking pussy. So, you know, like I knew going into that match, I was the heel. So on these pre-match promos and shit, I'm just talking shit about how this, how these punchlines, these punches are going to come harder than his punchlines and all this shit. And called him a weak-ass pussy and wrote a diss track to a wet-ass pussy called Weak-Ass Pussy. Great diss track, great music video. Um, but, you know, you got to understand you're the heel in life when you're the heel. So, and then you got to, you know, exploit that and exploit people's emotions. Cause that's what we do as wrestlers. We manipulate emotions. So I, I applaud Jim Cornette, you know, like 
if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I mean, like he's made a living off of talking shit. So True. of course he's going to keep talking shit. So I saw during one of your matches, you coin up on top of a roof. And from on top of the roof, you jumped off it onto your opponent. What were you thinking? Boy, I hope this helps me pay my rent. <laughs> um, like, were you drunk? Were you stoned at the time? You're like, I'm going to do this. Or you just say, fuck it. Well, here's the thing, Vic. If I had a therapist, she'd probably tell me I have a lot of problems. So I look at big, tall things, just like Eli Everfly does. And I'm like, oh, that'd be dope if I jumped off that. Plus, hey, straight up. I'm not as young as I used to be. I can't go very fast, you know? So I got to, I got to kind of like work, work to my advantages. Um, so I don't know. It's all kind of one, that little bit of Shawn Michaels in me that always wanted to steal the show. I always wanted to be a guy that jumped off big things through tables, through fucking whatever, you know, through barbed wire. I wrapped a guy in barbed wire around a table and jumped off a balcony and I have a nice big 18 inch scar right here uh, from dropping the elbow on that motherfucker. So, you know, like when, when we moved into our new building, um, I was like, yo, we're, we're going to do a show out here in the parking lot one day and I'm going to jump off the roof. So I saw 619 day, uh, June 19th, which is the area code for San Diego, 619. Plus it was the first Saturday people were allowed to go out after, co you know, the COVID uh, release or whatever. We were all released from our cages. Um, but so I, I did a free a free event in the alley. Had a lot of cops show up. Um, we got in a lot of trouble for it, um, but I got my way out of it. Um, you know, it, it, so I knew I was like, well, I want to do this jump. Um, there was this independent documentary crew following me that weekend because um, they got a flyer like a couple months back and just came and saw this wild atmosphere that we cre created at the Ob Wrestle House. And, you know, we were close to selling out uh, 125 every Saturday um, before the jump. And now it's after the jump. Um, it's like it's like BC and AD. It's like now it's like we got a 20 person line down the block waiting to get in because we can't fit enough people in there. <clears throat> and slowly as venues are opening up back out here, um, you know, we'll, we'll start getting back into them. Um, you know, our, our, the strip clubs opening up here at the beginning of the month, September, and, you know, uh, we're, we're always on the, you know, we, we're always on the cusp of what's uh, cutting edge out here as far as, you know, the type of show we put on and where we're putting shows on at, who we're putting shows on for, you know, um, we really know our audience out here because I think we were very conscious of the audience we wanted to create, you know, get drunk, yell at the wrestlers, good guy, bad guy, you know, um, something people can interact, you know, interact with. You can't interact back with a preacher at church. You can't interact back with a band at a show. If you do that at a comedy show, they call it heckling and they kick you out. But at this combat, you're encouraged to do that. Like we give you baby, a good guy and a bad guy. We don't just give you two guys in regular colored trunks going out there and doing every move they've ever learned. You know, we, we build and manipulate emotion. So it's, it's a quite, it's a quite different show than the, traditional smart mark might be used to in fact i i don't like people like that coming to my shows because my show isn't for them my shows for people that want to have a good time you know so i knew that when i was going to do that jump that it was going to get some good coverage and it did 
And uh, now it's hard for me to go out locally here and uh, buy myself a drink at a bar. So that's pretty nice. That is nice. So your next event is the Carnival of Death. Yeah. Who thought of this idea with husband versus wife? Well, um, my wife and I tattooed wrestling ring ropes as our wedding bands. And that's ECW 1995, by the way, red, red yellow, and blue um, nice. on purpose. You know, we're, we're married to wrestling. Um, you know, when we met, we met at a comedy open mic. And, um, and I was learning, I was brand new to comedy, pretty much. And she, I just introduced her to wrestling. So it was really like a give, it, give and take relationship before it turned into romance, you know? And we both inspired and encouraged each other every day for the last seven years. And, you know, I'd be lying if I told you it was easy, but anything easy isn't worth it. And anything worth it isn't easy. So, you know, um, it's something, you, our, you know, we have great communication um, you know, we, we both keep our ears open to each other. And I think that's the only way you're going to grow as people. So yeah, if you don't mean that money interrupting, like that's wrestling is dangerous sport as enough. Yeah. Two, I don't see you two going easy on each other. I can see you two like just taking like light bulbs, taping it up together to make like fine. And it's going all out. Dude, we're going to beat the holy shit. Out. We're going to beat the holy shit out of each other. And we do, you know, I think. I think, you know, because we work so closely together, I'm trying to relight this blunt, I got the fan going. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, is, uh, you know, is that we're both physical. You know, she was training kickboxing um, as a child, you know, myself in, um, you know, amateur wrestling. And, you know, I was an all-around athlete, you know, uh, soccer, uh, you know, baseball, and, you know, softball as I got to be an adult. So, you know, like, we're, we're both physical people, you know, we both like to show off our physical prowess and, you know, we don't take it easy on each other in there. Um, you know, because I think it's a way to healthy, healthily, I don't know what's the right word to get it out there healthy, you know, to let, let our emotions, you know, get out there and really, you know, like kind of throw one in there every once in a while, if you, if you want to, you know, not, we're not going out there to hurt each other, but we're also, not taking a light on each other. You know, we've wrestled a couple of hardcore matches. You know, I remember one time where we wrestled at a festival and I suplexed her on, onto the, you know, the concrete ground, you know, and we've done thumbtacks, we've done, you know, barbed wire, you know, we, we did, we dressed up as each other and wrestled each other. It was a, a death match in drag. You can find that on the fist combat page, you know, where we both got bloody as shit. Um, you know, she, Last week at our TV taping, she ripped me open with a, a light tube. And, uh, you know, I'm still pretty scarred up from that. So that's why I got the hat and the bandana on right now. So, you know, like, um, we, we bring it, you know. And I think that being the first and only husband and wife to do death matches with each other uh, is something super cool. And I didn't even realize it when, when I said it, but I was like, well, who are, what other husband and wife are doing death matches with each other? So, like, you know, we're going to fucking bring it. You know, we got 50 light tubes ready for fucking Saturday. We got a barbed wire match. You know, we got fans bring the weapons match. We got a heartthrob death match. It's never been done before. It's, it's, a, it's one of these ideas and one of these. Hey, don't be funny. Uh, 
So, you know, uh, it's, it's always a different show every Saturday. You know, the last Saturday of the month is Gladiator Night. Thumbs up, thumbs down on new guys, you know. Um, and uh, it's kind of like a Mystery Science Theater 3000. I do commentary, you know, with some of the fans, and some of the audience members, and some other wrestlers and stuff. It's fun. Do you think Deathmatches are making a comeback? Because in the XPW slash ECW days, they were a big circuit. And then all of a sudden, ECW got bought out by WWE. XPW went out of business. And it seemed kind of quiet down for a while. Now it's picking back up. Well, so I think wrestling's just, I, you know, like I, I watched this, uh, this, this app called Wrestling. It's like the wrestling.tv or some shit. And I'll show you matches from like Comiskey Park in the fucking 50s. You know, and, and then you'll see the next match will be like some customs match of two girls in a gym by themselves. You know, it's, it's fucking weird. So, you know, watching um, wrestling, it's all an evolution. So I think going from making people bleed to Japan and FMW, because FMW stands for Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. And they said, the reason we used a lot of weapons is because we're martial arts and then in martial arts, you use weapons. So I think FMW was really the first company to really fucking take it to the next level. They do, were doing a lot of exploding ring matches. Onita was doing all that crazy shit, exploding pool, fucking, you know, and, and you know, you know, you had uh, Mr. Pogo in there with his fucking sickle and shit on a chain, you know, like you had some really wild shit. So, you know, I think if you're going to start talking about deathmatch wrestling, I think, I think that's kind of where it started. I don't know. Like somebody's going to prove me wrong. Uh, but like, I think that's kind of where it started. And then ECW to, in my opinion, did a lamer version of FMW. Like nobody tops FMW when it comes to what they did, the shit they did. Um, and nobody ever will um, in my, nobody's going to do shit like that in stadiums. And they were doing it fucking sold out stadiums, you know? Yeah. Maybe, they, you know, a lot of those people were forced to buy tickets by somebody, like who knows, but uh, they were filled stadiums watching death matches. So, you know, um, I think they were like the first company to really like, to really capitalize on that. You know, somebody's gonna tell me I'm wrong and I'm, they're right. But, you know, um, uh, is death matches making a comeback? Well, here, here's what happened. You know, it's supply and demand. And once the supply of, spot guy wrestlers were all signed up by every company on the planet who, who was left like every guy worth the shit was pretty much signed up by nxt or fucking mlw or you know they're signed to ring of honor or you know impact with aew there every spot spot guy was fucking signed up so all you had left were death matches so i you know and i think that the resurgence of death matches is just because there's not a lot, you know, like you're, you're finding new, there's still a new generation of spot guys coming out, you know, and GCW showcases that very well. Um, but like for a minute there, that's all there was kind of, you know, it's like everybody that was right when AEW came around, it was like anybody worth a shit was fucking signed. You know, every, every guy worth a shit on the Indies got signed up. Um, you know, I, mean, I don't, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, but I mean that in a, like every guy that had a name or had name value on the indie scene got signed up. Just like, all right, well, what's left on the indies fucking death matches. And he had promotions like game changer wrestling presenting some spot guy matches with some death matches on the show, you know, and give it, giving that variety. So I think that, uh, 
death matches are definitely making a comeback. I think, you know, Nick Gage has a lot to do with that. I think his episode of Dark Side of the Ring, being the only active wrestler ever to have an episode. Um, I'm mad respect to Nick Gage and everything Game Changer Wrestling is doing. So, you know, the long-winded answer to your question, death matches are making a comeback, and why not? They're fucking exciting. Nick Gage. Whether you like the Gage or not, he is fucking nuts. Like he's perfect for the deathmatch scene. He's just he, perfect. He's the fucking king of this shit, dude. He I, is the king of this shit. I mean, whether you like him or not, or like his history or not, he's just perfect for it. Like, like Supreme and XPW, he's just perfect for it. And, yeah, exactly. That is the most real motherfucker I've ever met. Let me tell you what, and I'm pretty sure he'd say this, so I'm going to say it. I've gained the respect of Nick Gage, and there aren't many people that that I aspire to gain the respect of, and I don't care what your opinion of Nick Gage is, not you necessarily, anybody. You want to say he did this, he did that, like whatever. You know, Nick Gage is a real motherfucker, and when you read or meet a real motherfucker, you want to get respect from a real motherfucker because those people will be the most loyal people to you. They will be the most open and brutally honest. And they'll probably tell you bits of information that you need to hear for your life every time that you're around them. If you just listen hard enough. So to get the respect of a real motherfucker like that meant the world to me. And as a, as a promoter of the last 14 years, I've only booked two matches for myself. Even though I could have booked anybody, right? I booked to tag with Sabu, dream, loved it, right? And I fought Nick Gage two years ago at Fist versus GCW one. There was a, it was a no contest because the tag team interrupted the match and it ended up being, being me and Nick Gage teaming against his team. So Nick Gage, I know I've been calling you out on social media. And I'm gonna go ahead and do it on Vic's podcast right here. All right, Gage. When, when GCW comes out to San Diego on Saturday, September 18th, live streaming somewhere, and you can see it all over the world. And let me tell you, Vic, everybody's going to watch this match. I'm, Nick Gage, out of respect, we got we to gotta score to settle. So, Nick Gage, let's do this on September 18th. You and me, one more time. Mano a mano. The king against the clown prince of violence. Yes, I said the clown prince of violence. Dirty Ron McDonald. We're going to do it right here in San Diego. Get that match signed. Let me know, and I'll mention it in every podcast until it happens. That would be Hell awesome. Yeah. So other than that, what else does the future hold for you? Well, um, I invest my entire life savings into a movie that is not yet finished filming. Um, cause it's some poor planning. Um, but, uh, you know, I cut the dead weight on that one. So, you know, I'm, um, working with a new crew here now, um, just to put out quality social media content. We do live pro wrestling every Saturday down here. And I've got a lease at this place for the next four and a half years. You know, we plan to, um, get that renewed and stay here in ocean beach for a long time. Um, because it's a live entertainment venue and it's already a, a staple in town that everybody in town knows live pro wrestling is going on every Saturday behind the warehouse um, at the Ocean Beach Hardware Store. So, you know, um, that's what the future holds for now. 
Yeah, I'm gonna get that movie done here soon. Um, soon is a very variable term at this point. Um, you know, I, I, and being content, spending more time at the beach, spending more time doing things that I enjoy rather than overworking myself and causing stress in my life, you know, is I, I got it pretty good out here. Um, I'm a very lucky and fortunate person that things have worked out the way they have for me enough to be where I'm at. Am I as wealthy as I'd like to be? No. You know, do I have as many projects done as I'd like to have done? No. Have I been to as many cities as I want to be? No. You know, but am I content? Absolutely. I got, I'm looking out my window right now to a pool and palm trees. I'm a block away from the beach. It's like a sore dick. You can't beat it, man. So, you know, the future holds contentment for me. Um, and uh, I'm, I have a lot to look forward to. Peace of mind. I like that. Same way. Definitely. No doubt. So where can our listeners connect with you online? How they can catch you in your crazy matches? Very, very easy. Um, at Dirty Ron McDonald on all social media. At Fist Combat TV. F-I-S-T-C-O-M-B-A-T TV. Fist Combat TV. Um, pro, if you search pro wrestling, I'm pretty sure we come up. So, uh, or wrestling in San Diego, you know. Um, but yeah, Fist Combat TV and at Dirty Ron McDonald. See me do some wild shit on my stories. Um, you know, I'm only posting quality content. You know, we have we have solid photographers at all of our events. We have solid videographers, uh, and you know, I'm I'm trying to just live my life is the way I want to, man. And um, the way I want to is making lasting memories. You know, like I'm no celebrity, but Ocean Beach is a small town in, a, in inside San Diego. And, and when I go out and somebody says, Hey, you're dirty, Ron, you did this thing. I remember, you know, that is the coolest feeling in the world. No orgasm will ever replace that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I don't, I definitely don't mean to sound conceited at all, but it's like that person remembered something I did and they wanted to tell me about it. Like they could have very easily walked right past me and been like, oh, that's that dude, you know, in their head. But they wanted to stop and tell me that. And like that to me, making memories for people and positive ones in this truly negative and, and fucking sometimes evil and despicable world we live in yeah. is that bringing joy to people and making them lose themselves in something and making them have a positive memory instead of a negative one is a power I think we all possess, you know, because if you have the power to think one way, you have the power to think another way. You're very, you're very strong and energetic presence as a human being. So, you know, I think if people, people recognize that more and like, and, and really see how special it is to make a positive Lay out in somebody's mind rather than a negative one. I mean, you know, there's nothing that beats that except the dirty Rob McDonald elbow from the top. From the top. Before I let you go, just this is a yes or no, you're not saying anything like and give any details. You have some crazy shit planned for Saturday, don't you? We have 50 light tubes. Um, I think that there, this is going to be the bloodiest match I've ever been a part of. 
Um, you know, it, it, the only way you can see it is live here in San Diego. Um, I'm sure the video will get out soon because um, we're just, you know, egomaniacs like that. Um, and you know what? Um, this is the first match in a long time that I'm truly nervous going into because it's not only me, it's my wife that I'm fighting. And I've been around for a minute, you know, um, there's, you know, there's, there's a way to make it fun for everybody, but you know, you, we definitely, um, there's a lot of danger going into this and, you know, I'm, it, if I fuck up, I'm hurting my wife, you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, shit going through our heads. I mean, you know, like, Hey, we've split the crowd. Dirty Ron's been a, a good guy for the last four and a half years. And I'm getting that heel heat now fighting my wife, you know? Um, so it's, it's interesting to see. Uh, I think we're going to feed a lot off the crowd, but I think we're going to bleed a lot. And I think it's going to be a show that nobody's ever seen before. Husband versus wife, man versus woman, light to death match. And it's going on live at the OB Wrestle House at a carnival of death. You know, um, let me tell you this. The fans bring the weapons match and the barbed wire ring match before us. So I don't think they're going to take down the barbed wire before our match. You know, um, and I don't think that they're going to take any of the weapons out of the building. So I expect it to be hard hitting. I expect it to be brutal. And I expect it to be a spectacle unlike anything I've ever seen before. Well, I hope I pray that you and your wife comes out with minor staples in your head and body, but nothing like crucial, like life threatening. You know, it's uh, it's going to be something unlike anything anybody's seen before. Man versus man versus woman, husband versus wife, more importantly. So, um, you know, I think you're going to you're going to you're going to see a lot of things that blur the lines more than Robin Thicke. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's, that's kind of, you know, and, and the, on an ending note, you know, people ask me, where does Mikey Gordon start or where does Mikey Gordon stop and where does Dirty Ron McDonald start? And I go, I think I've kind of lost track, you know, like, yeah, when the paint is on there, I definitely turn it up to 11 to quote the guys um, from that, that uh that metal movie back in the day what was it airheads or some shit anyway you know crank it up to 11 but you know like where does dirty ron start i don't know you know i think i, I think i kind of am a little bit of dirty ron so you know like there's a there's a little bit of ego there's pride on the line um i, I definitely want it to be you know the match of the night so you know to put a lot of pressure on with with uh between me and my wife you know like um i don't know i can definitely tell there's tension in the house you know, and, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, like when we, when we helped her come up with a promo where she was like, cause I, I said to her, I said, listen, you're one and up against me. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, pride night and we dressed in drag. So technically dirty Ron won, but she beat me. She's one and up. What does she have to prove? What does she have to prove? She's already, she already beat me. She rolled me up and pinned me. Yeah. She pulled my tights, but you know, that's what dirty Ron would do. So, She's one and zero against me. What does she have to prove? And here's what she had to prove: Vic. she's got to prove to the people. She's got to prove to me, and more importantly, she's got to prove to herself that she deserves to be in that ring with me. She deserves to be in that ring with other wrestlers. And Fist Combat is a promotion that deserves your attention. So, 
if we got to go out there and pay our rent by beating the shit out of each other with light tubes, well, may God so be it. And that's what we're going to do this Saturday is rip the shit out of each other and put on a show for the ages. Oh, we definitely support you too. And hopefully everything turns out awesome. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah type of awesome, legendary. Do you mind if you share and support the show as well? Like this episode? Like oh, absolutely. Episode? Oh, without a doubt. I, I appreciate it because got a lot of love for your independent wrestlers and well, I think this was a very fun and informative uh, interview. You know, you're you're a good interviewer, Vic, and it's it's there's a lot of times that people waste my time. Uh, you know, like like can come, you know, they'll just come with the same basic, uh, you know, basic questions. You know, and it's I appreciate that you took the time to do some research, you know, and and you know, and and really come in um, prepared. So you know, and, and and all good podcast hosts really know how to like put over their guests and i think you did a really good job of that i appreciate that man thank you very much and i'll just real fast i'll tell you the secret behind it a i just say i'm from southern vermont i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and b i always smoke a bowl before i record so if it's a bad show like i was on drugs what do you expect (laughs) they're not drugs man it's called medicine now I, I know, but you know, some people say like, "Oh, like what do you say?" It's like that uh, Ted movie when they go, when they Ted was driving, and he's like, "I'm on drugs. What do you expect?" It's like, "What do you, what do you expect?" <laughs> That's perfect. What do you expect? I'm on drugs. <laughs> that I should use that line more often. My wife won't get as mad at me. Uh, it, you know, once or twice, my wife was just like, "Oh, whatever." But after three times, nope, they it bounces right off. Doesn't work. It's a three strikes and you're out rule. Yep, no tiff fouls. Well, Dirty Ronald McDonald, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. And be safe out there. All right, Vic, man, I appreciate your time, too. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on. You know, um, you are you are a great host, you know, and everybody needs to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. You take care. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, take care. Bye. Bye.